Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another Ainsley's Gold Silver Standard Insights. And if you're watching for the first time, welcome to. I'm your host, Joe. And as usual, we have Chris Tipper, who breaks down the morning's news posted on the Ainsley website. And joining Chris today happens to be the director of Ainsley, Paul Engerman, who also wrote this morning's news. And let's take a look at that. That is entitled Raul Powell's Top 5 Charts Filtering Out the Noise. Gentlemen, over to you. Thanks, Joe. Today, the news looks at some work done by Raoul Powell for Macro Insiders that supports his thesis that growth is about to fall sharply and the stock market will be choppy for a while and then take off. Gold is then set to rally, the dollar will spike and then peak, then inflation narrative will die down, allowing crypto to continue leading with significant gains as growth falls. So there's obviously a lot there, a um, lot to unpack. But it can all be summarized down to the view that the worst is already priced in. So as bad data starts coming in month after month, the markets might actually treat them as good news, um, as it means we're ever closer to the Fed pivoting and coming back in to flood the market with new liquidity. Personally, as I've said on Insights multiple times now, I tend to agree with Powell and think the pivot comes sooner than most expect. When you read or watch a lot of financial media at the moment, they'll argue that everyone is priced in the eventual pivot and that everyone's bullish. But this simply isn't supported with the data, at least what I've seen. Survey after survey seems to show record low confidence in the economy and extreme bearish and, and fear indicators, really. So when everyone's on one side of the market like this, the surprise, by definition, will always be in the opposite direction. This is my thinking right now. A surprise is coming that will catch most investors off guard as the market starts to rally. We'll see whether I'm correct or not, but for today, Paul is here to help us interpret some of these charts in the news piece and some others Raoul has been referring to, specifically looking at the picture they paint for the economy going forward. We can certainly debate where the market's head based on what the economy is doing, but hopefully by analysing these charts, we'll be able to get some clarity on just how bad the economy is actually looking right now. So Paul, my first question to you is around the ISM. It's something that Raoul has been talking about quite a lot. Can you give us a bit of an overview of what it actually is and what the charts are showing us in terms of the potential readings for the months ahead? Yeah, sure, mate. Um, look, once a month, the Institute of Supply Management, uh, who are a private firm, uh, give us a glimpse into how well large manufacturers are doing via their PMI or the Purchasing Managers Index. Mm -hmm. uh, traders love this because uh, manufacturing numbers tell them a lot about how the economy is doing, right? So. When the ISM PMI number is above 50, it indicates that the manufacturing sector is expanding, which means the economy is growing and stocks will mostly increase in value. So what's really interesting is that Rao's GMI Financial Conditions Index, which looks forward nine months, is mm -hmm. predicting that the ISM will bottom in about February 23. Now, ISM is a diffusion index. It's, it, it's what direction is what matters, not so much uh, the amount. So the, the steep decline and rouse forward-looking index is consistent with what we've said on Insights for a while, quick and sharp. Yep. So, so bringing it back to that present moment, however, demand from customers uh, still seems to be strong from an ISM point of view, but much of that is because there's still, you know, there's still fear of not getting product due to constraints or, and also that beating inflation, which of course causes more inflation, Q spiral. Uh, curiously, uh, the other provider of PMI, the S&P Global, uh, on Tuesday's, uh, you know, hot off the press on Tuesday night, was just 43. And I wrote about that in yesterday's news. Yep. So we've got two conflicting uh, measures there, but, um, you know, certainly the, the S&P Global is, is worse. So with, with a variety of factors um, you know, near the store point, um, expect to see data like new orders and new export orders, 
and employment fluctuate between expansion and contraction until things, you know, I think finally head lower. Um, this is exactly what the Fed wants to see, and it'll keep them merrily hiking away um, until they've gone too far, right? And, and this means that it's likely that we've we see the Fed pull the liquidity handbrake even tighter over the coming months. So, like that's looking at very US centric view, I suppose. Um, and like you said, there's those two figures there that are they're both bad. One's worse than the other. But what about China? Because we've talked about that as well on Insights. Um, this idea of the China credit impulse, which is potentially that's leading the world to pivot. Like they're they're looking at it and going, well, our numbers are are bad. We want to jump in early, effectively. Um, I assume they're wanting to lead the recovery. So you know, obviously China's the other big economy we need to be thinking about, particularly here in Australia. What, what do the charts say about the Chinese situation? Do they sort of match that US picture? Yeah, look, there's a lot to the China situation at the moment. China's um, been, I guess, the first to halt interest rate increases. Um, and, and that's due to, you know, they've had widespread droughts and an energy crisis, mm-hmm. a property crisis, uh, extended lockdowns. So China's, you know, seen drought conditions for months now, right? Coupled with recent heat wave, it's resulted in severely depleted water resources. And that's impacted their food production, therefore increasing food prices. And has come at a time during what is supposed to be the flooding season, right? So it's it's yeah. a critical setup period to lead into the autumn rice harvest. Um, they've also uh, have a high dependence of hydroelectricity. So about 8% of their power comes from it. But, you know, hydroelectricity relies on on heavy water courses, which of course are depleted during the drought. So without this key source of energy, regions in southern China have, have been forced to implement extended power cuts to industrial and commercial areas. Uh, and this has forced the area to make you know, a quick shift towards accessible forms of energy, such as coal, right? And during a time when the price of coal futures has, has increased you know, 65% in, in April. Um, and you add to that you know, the, the continuing lockdowns and of course the well-publicized property crisis, uh, they also have a devaluing yuan, right? another victim of our US dollar wrecking ball, and, and they don't want to exacerbate that with further stimulus when it comes, um, you know, when it risks major capital outflows like they saw in 2015. So it's it's most likely that China lowering its interest rates, you know, by 0.05 percent was was a forced decision um, mm-hmm. and somewhat token, um, and and to just halt increasing cost pressures on individuals and businesses. Um, but, but difficult to continue. You know, a trillion dollar question, of course, is when will similar decisions be made for the US and Australia? Uh, you know, the, the recent announcement of infrastructure stimulus is certainly a, a step in the right direction and on the supply side, which has helped China credit impulse tick back up again, as you can see in that uh, in Rao's chart. But the true indication of things getting back on track would be a, you know, a walking back of the zero COVID policy and, and, and restoration of consumer demand. And it's uh, look, I, I think it's probably something I'll write too soon. It's 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 a big story in this whole whole global uh, mix. Uh, definitely keep us updated on that because it's certainly we look at the US figures all the time, but thinking about China is important and sometimes slips off the back um, when when you just have so much media focus on the the Fed really. So yeah, I'd be definitely keen to read more about that. Just switching topics slightly. I mean, it's still the same thing really, but. Inflation is what everyone's talking about. We've been talking about it constantly. Um, Rail's been arguing that inflation actually is yesterday's news. The peak's already potentially in, and it's all downhill from here. Is is that what you see the chart showing there, Paul? Yeah, look, Rail's 
project path for inflation is, is actually a gradual decrease over the next 12 months, you say, and, and, and then it finds a base at around 2 to 3%. So back to normal in 12 months or so. Uh, we're seeing commodity prices across the board decrease, property prices easing, all signs that central banks militantly you know, lifting interest rates is actually working. Um, but, you know, there's still a long way to go until things uh, are, you know, normal, you know, and, and at a macro level, Raoul is a disinflationist, right? He, 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 he is around an ageing demographic uh, issue and technology both putting downward pressure on, on all matter of prices um, at a very macro level. So he's predisposed to discount inflation. Um, and we still have these exogenous effects like energy crisis, droughts and, and sticky supply con constraints. So it's, it's not a clear picture yet. Sure. Um, saying it's not a clear picture actually leads into what I was interested in. Uh, and I mentioned it at the start, sort of everyone seems to be on the bearish side of the argument, um, experiencing extreme fear, expecting the worst. But when you read in the financial media, they often say, oh, everyone's still positioned for the pivot. So they're saying, you know, there's a, there's a lot of downside to come because people are positioned sort of thinking the market's going to go up and generally the market likes to take as many victims as possible. So what does the data actually say? What side of the fence are the majority really sitting on? Is it that, you know, we're all bullish and we expect a pivot or is it that the majority of people actually are scared out of their wits right now? Yeah, look, there's a few charts to look at. Um, you know, two of the best places to look at when assessing sentiment of the market is, is the fear and greed indices. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and also Bank of America's more sort of institutional bull and bear indicator, and, and Rao talks to the latter, um, which at the time of his report, which wasn't long ago, um, had been at zero, right, full bear uh, for nine straight weeks, um, more than he'd ever seen before in his career, and as he laid out yeah. his 17 and a half year career. Uh, the fear and greed index is used to gauge the mood of the market. Um, many investors are emotional and reactionary, as we know, uh, and fear and greed sentiment indicators can alert investors to their own emotions uh, and biases um, that can influence their decisions. So when combined with fundamentals and other analytical tools, the index can be a helpful way to assess the market sentiment. And so currently, fear and greed indices uh, for traditional markets is showing that fear is driving the market, right? No surprise. Yeah. So yes, the majority of people are experiencing some fear. Uh, you know, another chart that Ralph shared was, was you know, a full allocation to cash. Um, and however, you know, the that fear and greed has actually come back off the extreme, right? It's still there. Um, so, and interestingly, there, there was a lot of greed in the market a month ago when markets bounced off the bottom. Mm -hmm. The drop back to the lows was likely fueled by investors getting too eager too soon. Uh, so we also have this curious setup where uh, the instos tend to be all out and the personal investors are still in. Um, and what that tells you is up to you to decide. Yeah, and that's, well, yeah, you can decide that. But generally, uh, historically, retail has not been the one that has benefited the most in these situations. So yeah, you can read that however you like, I suppose. Um, the last question I'd love, or the last area I really love for you to have a look at um, is the bond market. So the bond chart is often considered the chart of truth as it usually shows us what's really going on and driving the market. Uh, the macro insiders chart seems to be hinting that the bond trade is getting overdone. Can you talk us through what that chart's showing currently? Yeah, look, I guess broadly, you know, shares are obviously the risk are riskier than bonds. So, but the reward for investing in shares over the long haul is greater. 
Now, still, bonds can outperform shares over, over short periods. Uh, and for a while, we've seen both shares and bonds both dropping, okay, and hence yields rising. We've always got to remember that that uh, either side of the bonds. Uh, Raoul often refers to, to the long-term US 10-year yield charters as that chart of truth, as you said. Um, and this long-defined channel um, as bonds uh, has bonds at their most oversold or overbought, if you're talking yields, since the turn of the century. Okay, so and, and here in Australia, bond yields too, you know, risen as part of this global sell-off with the 10-year yields climbing to about 3.76%, and that's the highest since June. So Powell argues that the bond market is the smartest guy in the room uh, and will rally earlier than the market turns uh, as it looks through that short, sharp recession forcing the Fed's hand. Okay, so... In summary, there's plenty of evidence to support Rao's assessment that at least in the short term, the economy's in for a lot of pain, but that doesn't necessarily mean the market's heading lower as most of that's already priced in. Um, as the markets are forward looking, if his assessment is correct, then we should be heading sideways to higher as markets anticipate what comes next as the worst is already priced in. Is is this pretty much how you see it there, Paul? Yeah, look, as we keep saying, sadly, it's all about the Fed. You know, as I wrote yesterday, a split Congress will mean it's only the Fed, okay? Yes. It won't be any fiscal. So we will continue to see, just like last night, uh, the market react on what it thinks will drive the Fed. So that means that bad economic news is is good news um, as, as a pivot may be closer. So we also have this rare setup where literally everyone is on one side of the boat mm. okay? and then expecting the same thing, another leg lower. Uh, there are often surprises when everyone is positioned and expecting the same thing. So I, I tend to agree with you, um, you know, particularly when considering the effects of that US dollar wrecking ball, as we keep keep talking to, um, that we will see a pivot sooner than, than people expect, I think. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Paul, and sharing that valuable analysis with us. Um, those charts you've walked us through have really helped to clear up a picture that's pretty murky. So thanks a lot. No worries, Chris. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much, Chris, and thank you, Paul, for being on the show today. Now, if you would like to continue the conversation, actually chat with Chris and Paul, they're going to be on the Discord channel for a period of time after the video is uploaded. So if you head over to discord.gg forward slash gold, that's discord.gg forward slash gold, sign up and join in the conversation. There are other like-minded individuals, a great little community to be a part of. Of course, I'm always going to ask you to head over to and subscribe to the Ainsley Bullion YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Ainsley Bullion. A lot of informative content, daily content, five days a week. And do us a favor and head over to goldsilverstandard.com as well. Check out that website. It brings gold and silver into the digital world. And always, as we say at the end here, balance your wealth in an unbalanced world. Take care and we'll see you next time.